0: Well, hallelujah. I hope you all had a good Christmas. Can we turn up some lights? Maybe in the house, house lights. I can't see anyone's faces. Hope you had a good Christmas. It is good to be with you on the last Sunday of 2020. I'm sure some of us are excited about that. It's been a good week. Last week was, um, we had the opportunity to hear a number of stories Uh, If you were here last week, I'm sure you saw that. If you weren't, be sure to check that out. Very encouraging service, testimonies of things that God has done. Um, Really enjoyed that. And then the the Christmas Eve service, I just tuned in via the web stream, but I got to hear Warren quote Luke 2, which was very good. Warren, I don't know if you're in here, but uh, that was awesome. I love that. I don't think he's here, but that was really cool. I I think some of you guys saw that and enjoyed that. Well, this morning, uh, Tom's not here with us this morning, so I will be sharing out of a couple passages, but I, I kind of, as I was praying for today, mostly was reflecting and thinking of this last year and the challenges and some good, but mostly difficult situations that we've lived through, and I kind of want to preach in light of that this morning, and um, You know, most of us, I think we were caught off guard. I think the whole world was caught off guard in March when, or February or January, depending on where you were at. When some of these things started happening, we have experienced a global pandemic. And this global pandemic is filled with new developments, I feel like every week. So one day you're told to wear a mask. The next day you're told not to wear a mask. One day you're told to wipe down all your groceries. The next day you're told that's not important. And every single week, it's like there's new developments about this pandemic, which is very real and dangerous to many. Not only that, but this year we've seen political tensions at probably an all-time high, at least in my lifetime. Very tense political environment, so much so that I hear stories of families even being divided and, and torn apart or hurt by one another because of political stances. You see, you know, communities being separated because of stuff like this. I mean, you've even heard this one story where someone moved because their neighbor was so one side and they were so the other and they couldn't stand it. They literally moved houses. We've seen social unrest, climax in many ways, Obviously, racial injustice is the biggest area, and these these things and these issues they have they have crept upon our lives in ways that we can't ignore, even if you try it's it's all in front of your face and this morning, as i've been thinking about that and praying about that this not just for this morning but just in closing this year um, the lord the Lord started stirring my heart just about what this has done for me. for I don't know if this is similar for any of you, but for me, I would say when the pandemic happened and things were all shut down, the amount with which I felt distracted by the news or by these developments and by all this other stuff was a little bit unsettling for me. I mean, I've been doing ministry for 15 years. I've been leading prayer meetings, all this stuff. And I, and I look back and I'm like, you think I would have, stuff like this figured out, right? Or you think that stuff in the world wouldn't unsettle someone in ministry or you, whatever it is. Or maybe yourself, you're thinking, "I, I thought I had that taken care of, but what I realized is these events, maybe in extreme scenarios or maybe in smaller scenarios, but for all of us, I think it forced different things to the surface. Things that you look at and you're like, I thought I had that dealt with. Maybe it's something like anger, or maybe it's something like impatience, anxiety, different emotions that I think probably are coming up in all of us. And, you know, and we're, we're looking at it. At least this is my story. I'm looking at it. I'm like, I, I thought I was, I thought I had taken care of some of that. I didn't think I struggled as much with that type of impatience or that type of frustration or whatever. Even two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we were potentially exposed to COVID, ended up not being, we are tested negative, but Because of that, we weren't able to send our daughter to preschool, which has been like a lifesaver when you have three kids that are three and under. It was like preschool was like a dream come true. It's like, wow, we only have two kids in the house now. It was like heaven. And so we couldn't send her to school. And it was like my whole, I felt like our whole world was collapsing again. It was like everything's thrown off. And then not only that, but the next week, her teacher was exposed to COVID. So they had to cancel school again. So it was like two weeks where everything changed on us. And I found myself, wow, in a moment, I I can feel a little bit shaken and anxious because of outside external events that are unrelated to me. And that was unsettling to me because it's a sign of where my heart is at and where my faith is at. And that's that's where where I've been praying and thinking and reflecting on from this last year. And that's where I want to take us this morning. So I'm going to, I want to read two passages for us about one person. Um, And so you can open those, uh, your Bibles to Luke chapter 10, and then we'll go to Matthew 26. I want to read both of these passages, and then I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump in. So Luke chapter 10, they'll also be on the screen if you want to read from the screen. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and then I'll immediately flip over to Matthew chapter 26. So Luke chapter 10, it says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste? They asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman, she has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, whatever wherever this gospel is preached throughout the whole world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, this has been a year that has been different for most of us than any other year that we've experienced. And as we prepare to close this year, and as we join together in worship and in prayer this morning, I ask that you would open our eyes to your word. God, I ask that you would show us your face as we read your word. God, that you would give us the Holy Spirit this morning. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So these two passages, you have one character, primary character, but a family of people, Mary, Martha, and, and some of you probably know that uh, Martha's Mary and Martha's brother was Lazarus, who Jesus raised from the dead. And something is, is very unique about this family. Uh, this is just a few points of context that I want to give you to help us understand the passage This family was closer to Jesus than most other people, arguably even closer than the the disciples. Now, the disciples were with him, obviously more than this family, but there's points where it seems like Mary and Martha and Lazarus may have understood who Jesus was better than even the disciples. And I'm not gonna read all of John 11, but John chapter 11, as Lazarus dies, we see how close Jesus was to Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. I'm just going to give you a few points so you can remember that. But right in John, in John chapter 11, um, one of one of Lazarus's sisters, Mary, comes and reports to Jesus that the one whom you have loved has died. So he comes to Jesus and describes the death of Lazarus, saying, "Hey, your friend, the person who you're close to, he has died, and we need you to come." And help him. And mind you, this is in Judea where the Jews wanted to stone Jesus. Okay? So it's not a good idea for Jesus to go back there because he'll probably die. He was gonna die anyway, but that was not his time. So it's not a good idea. But after she says that, he responds and tells the, the disciples hey, we are gonna go back there for Lazarus. And they are confused at this point. They wanna kill you, Jesus. Why would we go back there? We're gonna go back there for Lazarus. Now, when Jesus comes back, I'm just describing John 11 for you, for the sake of time. Jesus comes back to Lazarus. And as he comes close, Martha comes out and meets him on the street. And Martha is saying, look, I know who you are, Jesus. And I know you have, you could have saved him. And then she says, and still you can save him. You can raise him from the dead. And then Martha in verse 27 of John chapter 11, she says, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. This is the highest confession of who Jesus is that we have not seen in the gospels. But Martha, this girl, looks at him and says, I know who you are. You're the son of the living God. The disciples haven't even believed this yet. You're the son of the living God, who, the Messiah who has come into the world. And I know you can save him. And then at the, towards, right before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, one of the most powerful passages to me to show who God is, you find that Jesus is coming to where he is laid, where Lazarus has been laid. And it says he was deeply moved in his spirit. And that's where it says, Jesus wept. Jesus wasn't weeping because Lazarus was, had, had died. Jesus knew that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He already told them he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He wasn't moved in his spirit just because Lazarus was dead. He he didn't weep because Lazarus died. He was weeping because of the pain that his friends were feeling because of Lazarus' death. It moved his spirit. In fact, I feel like that's a word. As we were worshiping, I felt like that was a word for some of you this morning. Some of you have pain from this year, whether it's because you lost somebody through COVID or whether it's because you lost a job or whether you've had family tension and and there's just a lack of peace. I feel like God is saying this morning, he is near to you. This This isn't even the point of where we're going this morning, but as we were worshiping in that last song, I feel like the Lord wants you to know he is moved in his spirit by the pain that you feel, by the ache that you feel from this last year. And that's not bad to feel that pain. There, were, there was real loss. And Jesus is saying he is moved and he is with you and he is near to you in that pain. Now this is, this is the family that we have to remember when we look at Luke chapter 10. When we look at Matthew 26, Mary, Martha, Lazarus, probably some of Jesus's best friends. If you look at that passage, you can see that. Probably some of his best friends, the ones whom he loved. Now, in Luke chapter 10, this probably happened prior to what we read in Matthew 26, because Matthew 26 was just before Jesus was dying. In Luke chapter 10, the context is that they were, Mary and Martha were welcoming Jesus into their home. And an important factor in Jewish culture and a lot of Middle Eastern culture that I think it's very important in the South also, but nowhere near the extent that it is in the Middle East, but it's something called hospitality. If someone is coming into your home, you are gonna treat them like a king or like a queen. Now we lived in the Middle East, so we're very familiar with this, but it's, it's to, the, to their own, like we, we, we have neighbors that when we were living over there. And many times I would see that they would invite us over And you can't say no, you have to say yes. So you go over and they have this meal prepared and we're like, okay, well, you know, we can't say no to eating it. We have to eat it whether we like it or not. And not only that, but sometimes they wouldn't even eat because there wasn't enough for them. I mean, that's the extent of hospitality we're talking about that exists in Middle Eastern culture. And so here, Martha is doing the same thing. Look, Jesus is here. Not only is he a friend, that we wanna serve and respect, but he's our teacher. And we wanna show him the highest honor. So she's serving, 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 preparing the hummus, making sure everything is perfect for Jesus. And Mary's not. Mary is sitting at Jesus's feet. Mary, why are you sitting at Jesus's feet? Martha asked Jesus, Jesus, would you tell Mary to get up and help me. Now, let me remind you who Martha is. Martha is the one who said, I know, in John 11, I know that you are the son of the living God. The highest confession that she could have made. She knows who Jesus is, but she looks and she says, Jesus, please tell Mary to get up. And Jesus responds and he says, she has chosen the right thing. She says, he says, Martha, Martha, two times, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the same way he addresses Jerusalem, Martha, Martha, why are you anxious about so many things? Can't you see that there is only one thing that is needed? Can't you see that there is only one thing that's needed? And as I've been thinking about this last year, that's been the feeling I've had. Why am I anxious? I've been asking myself. Why am I anxious? You see, there is, anxiety can come or distraction can come by condemnation, or sorry, when we are distracted by condemnation or information, we become anxious and we forget the message of grace. Now, in this, in this situation, Mary, or Martha was most likely distracted by condemnation right martha most likely was feeling that she had to do all of these things for jesus she had to serve jesus in this certain way in order to get accepted but that's not the message of grace you don't have to do things in any certain way in order to be accepted by jesus the same thing is true though with information which is what we've been experiencing this year you can be distracted and overwhelmed by information that not only do you forget the message of grace but you forget who he is and you forget that there is only one thing that's needed. Now, the challenge this year has been to understand what's true, at least from my perspective, what's true and what's not. It's been a fight for narrative. When you look at politics, you're trying to understand, okay, right, we might not like this guy, but is he right? Or we don't like these policies, but is it right? or now even after the election, you have these debates of voter fraud or not voter fraud. And every single day I'm, I'm, I'm waking up and there's new news or new developments. And the fight right now is for truth. What is true with coronavirus? And I, I think because of the death count, I think most have accepted this is a real virus, but initially as it continued on, there were a lot of naysayers about coronavirus and its threat and its challenge and what's, what it's, what's happening across the globe. And we, we entered into this conf- realm of confusion about what truth is. I'm not addressing any of those particular issues this morning. That's not my aim. But my, my aim is that those things will make you anxious but there is only one thing that matters. That anxiety will stir you up and confuse you. But in that moment of confusion where you're looking and looking and looking for an answer and you're trying to create an answer and you're trying to justify this person or defend that person for this reason or that reason, that does not matter. There is only one thing that matters. And it's to sit sit at his feet. To sit at his feet, to adore him. The word that has been coming to my mind this week has been adoration. Confusion is on the run. Confusion is spreading rampant. No one knows for certain in any of these issues I feel like, even the leaders, even those who are in charge, I feel like there is, it's hard to find a definite answer. The answer comes from the word and the answer is to sit at his feet. Now there's another element of Jewish culture that we see in Matthew 26 with Mary. Mary comes and she enters into the scene. The disciples are there and Jesus is there. And she takes this oil, this alabaster uh, jar and breaks it at the feet of Jesus. Now, this, this oil, this jar of oil was likely an inheritance from her family. Now, in the West, I don't know if inheritance doesn't seem to be as big of a thing in the Western world. Um, I mean, maybe it is for some of us, and, or maybe I'm just young and I don't know that yet. But, but my, uh, I, I recently had an encounter where I started to see a little bit more of what inheritance is. My father-in-law, he's, he's from Mexico. And Mexicans, they really believe in this idea of inheritance and giving something to the next generation and whatnot. And just over Christmas, we were sitting together with her family. And and over the years, he has bought different pieces of land. And um, kind of funny for me, but anyway, he's bought different pieces of land, five different pieces for each of his children. And over Christmas, that was kind of like his Christmas gift. He's like, okay, now I'm giving you your piece of land. And for me, it was kind of funny. I'm like, okay, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do with this land. In fact, it's in the Midwest and the middle of the desert, but whatever. But it was, it was what he wanted to give as an inheritance to his children. Now, this girl, Mary, she had an inheritance like that, something that was passed down from her family, and we know that this inheritance was not just any normal olive oil from Jerusalem. This inheritance was an expensive oil, probably worth up to a year's worth of, of wages. That's a lot of money, right? You know, that could be what thirty, forty thousand dollars or more. I don't know. But in that time, that would have been a lot of money. And the disciples look at her and they say, Why, why is she doing this? Why is she wasting this? oil, this alabaster box, why didn't she go and sell it? Why don't we take it and go and sell it so that we can give money to the poor? And Jesus looks at them, whom, by the way, if you read the passage, they didn't even say it to him, right? Jesus knew that they were saying that, whether he heard it with his physical ears or not, he knew that they were saying that. And he says, the poor you will have with you always but I will be here for a short time. She's done this to prepare for my burial. This little bitty girl, probably young, who knows, but probably young, probably not very wealthy, probably not very well off, but a friend of Jesus. In the face of the disciples, Jesus defends her and says, look, you don't know what she knows about me. You don't know how close she is to me. The poor are very important and taking care of the poor are very important. But there is one thing that is much more important than taking care of the poor. And it's sitting at my feet, it's pouring out your love upon me. Now, as I look back on 2020, one thing that I don't want to miss this morning is that some of us may need to mourn a little bit. If you haven't already, I think most of us probably have. But some of us may need to mourn the loss that we've, we've experienced this year. And you can't skip that step. Jesus was mourning right before he raised Lazarus from the dead because of the pain that Mary and Martha had experienced over, over Lazarus' death. But after we mourn, we move into a place where two things I think are are necessary. First is Thanksgiving. We move into a place where we begin to thank God for what we've experienced this year, whether good, whether bad. And second, we move into a place of adoration. Now our Thanksgiving, that doesn't mean that it was right that these things happened. The Thanksgiving is more about God thank you for the ways that this has led to growth in my life. Thank you for exposing me to the things that I didn't know were deep down inside of me. Sin, maybe anger, maybe frustration, maybe impatience. Thank you for showing me that I actually don't depend on you all the time as much as I thought I did. And when he shows us that, it allows us to realign ourselves so that we can depend on him in that way. And then the second thing is adoration. And this to me is what's most important. As we finish 2020 and as we go into 2021, it does not matter what the world is saying. Those answers that are so confusing, it does not matter. Or sorry, the questions and the confusion that we don't have answers to doesn't matter. Jesus is looking at us and asking and inviting us to do one thing. And the reason that we do that one thing is because he is extremely more worthy and more holy than any politician. He's more worthy, more holy, and more powerful than any virus even that goes across the entire globe. He's more worthy of us giving him time than us trying to give time to figure out the answers of what the world is saying about a virus or politics. He is worthy to have us sit at his feet and give him worship. That is the only thing that matters. He is worthy of, yes, having us care for the poor, but even before we care for the poor, he's asking for us to come before him and just look at him, just listen to his words. In fact, it's so important that for Mary, Jesus says what she has done will be preached wherever the gospel is preached. Wherever this message goes, and this message is the most important message, He says, this girl, no, not you, 12 disciples, but this girl, your story will probably be told too, but more importantly, this girl, what she's done in this moment in breaking this alabaster box on my feet, it will be told wherever the message is preached. Because your works aren't that important. Your good deeds aren't that important. You're not gonna be able to earn yourself any type of salvation. What's important is that you come close to me, is that you listen and enjoy me. What I love so much in reading, I would encourage you to read John 11, but when you read through that chapter, you see how close Jesus was with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And it's such a beautiful friendship. And so for Mary, when she comes to him, she can walk in this room with 12 disciples that Jesus has been with for three years. And she can say, I don't care about you. I don't care how you ridicule me. I don't care what you say, even my sister. Yeah, you know who Jesus is too, but I don't care if you think what I'm doing is wrong. I know him. And I know that he is worthy of all of my time right now because he's in the room. And he doesn't want me to serve him. He wants me to be with him. He doesn't need anything from me. He doesn't want me to give him anything. Not my ministry, not my good works, not my gospel preaching, not all my converts. He just wants me to look him in the eyes and pour out my heart to him. 2021, who knows? Who knows? I don't know if it's gonna be better. I don't know if it's gonna be worse, but this year should have been a plumb line for all of us to remember that those things, they don't matter. Over the years past, they've been predictable. And it's been easy when things seem to not have answers. But this year that's been different. And I think that Jesus is saying, that doesn't matter. Give me thanks and lift up your eyes. Look at my face, look at my glory and look at my beauty. So we're gonna close here in a moment and Mike's gonna come up and lead us in a time of ministry. But I think if I could summarize this, I would actually add the, the other point that I mentioned, which is mourning. I think that it might be important for some of you to process that, to mourn some of what was lost this year. But as you do that, you step out of mourning and out of grieving and into Thanksgiving. And when you begin to be able to thank God for what has happened, you begin to see this year and what's happened in your life this year in perspective. And then third we transition right from thanksgiving into adoration. Those answers to the confusion doesn't matter. We adore who he is, whether we have answers or not, whether politics is chaotic or not, we look up and we adore him. So let's pray this morning as we close. Lord, we love you. God, it has been a confusing year. There's been a year filled with loss for many, filled with hardship. And God, I know that you look upon us in that hardship and you are, are moved the same way you were moved when you saw Lazarus had died. Not because of death, because you have conquered death, but because of the pain. Of because of the agony, because of the separation, the isolation, the loneliness that so many have experienced. But Lord, this morning, I ask that you would draw near in the way that we know you are near. And God, you would lift our hearts. You would allow us to have a glimpse of your beauty that would lead us to see those things in perspective, to give you thanks and to adore you because you are worthy, Lord. We wanna respond to you the way Mary responded to you. Lord, we wanna come to you, not trying to present good things, not trying to work for you, but we wanna come to you and just sit at your feet and listen because you alone have the words of eternal life. So today, Holy Spirit, I'm asking God, would you come and would you minister to us? Would you speak to us? In Jesus' name.